5. <clears throat> While you're turning there, um, the song that we've just sung, many of you are aware, as many songs were born out of adversity. It is amazing how many of the songs we sing really through dark, dark valleys that people went through. God gave them a song. Ron Hamilton was a young man and lost his eye to cancer. And um, through it, God opened a, a new ministry to him. Uh, ministry and song, Patch the Pirate Club. But this song was born out of that, that God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying his servants or molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth the song. We can always rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knows the end of each path that I take, for when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Psalm 55 is a psalm that really is a psalm born out of adversity. Um, It is a psalm that is um, unique in a certain regard, but... Um, has very um, very s- similarities to some of the psalms surrounding it. And um, in it, he begins with prayer and he ends with prayer. And it's kind of the, <clears throat> the bookends of the psalm. And then he kind of explains what's going on. But <clears throat> in realizing this, This psalm helps us understand life is full of hurts. Life involves pain. And I'm I'm sure if we took the time today to have people share or write down the various hurts and pains that they have experienced in life, we would be here a long time. There's no denying it. And and we alluded to it in Sunday school this morning. The reality is just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you won't have pain, that you won't have um, very difficult hurts come into your life. They come into life. Anytime you have relationships, there will be um, various pain that is involved in that. But I believe um, Chuck Swindoll said once, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. You think of that. That's um, Even if you vary the, the percentages a little bit, the reality is, That it's not so important what happens to you. What's really important is how you respond to it. And in Psalm 55, um, David is modeling before us and showing how to respond when 
you may find yourself friendless and forsaken. You know, the reality is, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the only one that can make that promise to us. As much as you love someone, you can't promise them that you'll never leave them because I may keel over with a heart attack right here and I'm leaving Maryland and my family and everybody I love. But Christ can promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. David is dealing with some of the issues of life. And I want us to just go through this psalm and and ask God to, to help us to understand his ways. Notice verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in my wrath they hate me. Now, here's his prayer that he's bringing to God. We read some psalms, and it is a prayer of, I enter into your courts with praise and and come before you with thanksgiving. This is not a psalm of praise. It doesn't begin as a psalm of praise. This is a prayer that is born rather than in praise out of anguish, out of great difficulty, out of great heaviness of heart. The the whole nature of this, he's crying out to God, Oh God, will you hear me? I mourn in my complaint. And the noise, the the mourning of my heart, the heaviness of my heart, I bring before you. And he's saying, it's because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, because of what is going on around me and in my life. And really, he begins with the prayer. And as we said, he ends with the prayer. And he's, he's urging us to pray throughout this. But let's take a look at verse 4 through verse 8. He, he describes a little bit of his pain. <clears throat> My heart is sore pained within me, and the tears of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, For then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then I would wander off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. David's chief problem in these verses is not intellectual difficulty of understanding but rather it's it's the very bowels of his heart the the very inner resources of his feelings the depths of his human experience and he's saying i i am feeling crushed down and forsaken 
He says, my heart is sore pained within me. Fearfulness and trembling are coming upon me. And, and he says this, oh, I, I just wish I had the wings of a dove and I could just fly off and get away from this and wander off and remain in the wilderness. You don't need to raise your hands. But many of us have said and reflected those exact same feelings at various times in our lives. I wish I could just disappear. I wish I could be like a dove that that quickly flees great distances and rests among boulders and gorges where hunters cannot find it. And and there come the sorrows of life and the difficulties of life, and our heart is there. That's one thing about the Bible. It it conveys the realities of life. It doesn't gloss over things. And David is saying, <clears throat> I I am at that point. I was at that point. We live in a fallen world, and these experiences of anguish that David is feeling here are experienced by believers and unbelievers alike. This world brings a lot of sorrow and hurts and pain. Charles Spurgeon said, I bear willingly witness that I owe more to the fire, the hammer, and the file than to anything else in God's workshop. I sometimes question, he said, whether I have ever learned anything except through the rod. When my schoolroom is darkened, I see the most. Do you understand what Spurgeon's saying? He's saying, God uses the fire in my life. He uses the hammer. He uses the fire. He said, I question if I've learned anything in God's schoolroom apart from the rod. And when my days are the darkest, he said, when my schoolroom is the darkest, he said, then I see the most. Many of us can look back in our lives and see the same truth that Spurgeon said, that there are days of great pain that come into our life, and it may not be days, it may be months, it may be years. There come some very, very heavy Sorrows, and when I say sorrows, I don't just mean the death of someone, although that is great sorrow. But there are many other burdens that come in life, and the pain that we feel is real. And it brings us to the point, as David said, I just want to escape. David went on and he shared a little more about what the problem was. Verse 9, he said, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. 
Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. Just before I go on, he's seen much of of war and strife and all that goes on. As I read that, I thought, I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about on the walls thereof, mischief and sorrow. I thought, do you know how many people around the world tonight, today, are experiencing the ravages of of war? I mean, they have no idea where they're going, the many refugees that there are. David was experiencing this. We don't know. There's speculation about... Um, when David wrote this, and you may have a heading there, we don't have a definitive answer, but there was great strife, and David had it a lot in his life. He was hiding for his life. He had people hunting for him. There was great strife going on, but he went on in verse 12, and he narrows it down, and he helps us to see the problem. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. In other words, he said, I expect my enemies to be against me. I could have borne that. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance, We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. David said, this is the pain that came to me. It wasn't from an enemy. It wasn't from those that are seeking to destroy me. I was forsaken by my friend, my brother. We went to the house of God together. I was forsaken by someone that I felt we had a oneness with. He said, if it had been the others, I could buck up and take that. This blindsided me. And, he, and he's left as forsaken and friendless and, and left to bear all this alone. And he said, I wish I could just fly away, but he knows he can't fly away. <clears throat> David had been betrayed and stabbed in the back by one who was his close friend. I'm sure some of you have heard the quote of C.S. Lewis. He said, There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, You must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. 
Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket of selfishness, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and irritations of love is hell. You understand what he's saying? Anytime you love, and he said, even an animal, you become vulnerable for pain and hurt and forsaking. And so many times people say, I'm going to protect myself from that. And he says, go ahead. Don't, don't love any people or any animal. Just wrap yourself up in your hobbies, in your selfish entanglements. And he said, you will become hardened, unbreakable, and dead. God designed us to have relationships. And with relationships come the vulnerabilities of when you love, you become vulnerable. And David had trusted, and it was his close friend that betrayed him. A huge problem in his life. That is common to all of us here. But you notice his personal response. Verse 15. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for wickedness is their dwellings and among them. As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Notice his personal response. Verse 15 We may read that as a personal act of revenge, but in reality, um, and, and in the original, it is not a personal act of revenge. Rather, David is leaving them in the hand of God, in the hand of a just God, rather than taking vengeance into his own hand. He says, let Whatever may come, I trust God to take care of that. If it's death, God will deal with the wickedness in their dwelling. But the key point of this psalm is verse 16. He, he's told us about the pain. He's told us about um, specifically what it, uh, what it was. And then he says this, 
despite all of this and despite all the hurt and it, and you may build a case and say it was wrong 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 what they did and he then comes down to the 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond and he says but as for me i will call upon the upon god and the lord will save me as for me, I will call upon God. David recognized that his only hope is in God. We sang, my hope is in the Lord. David realized that. And it is God to whom he must go. It is God who alone can care for him and provide rest for his soul. Our natural response in these situations, is often self-pity. Man, oh man, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And things go bad for me. And look, at I can't believe he did. And we waller and waller in the swamp of self-pity. That's a natural response. Another natural response is bitterness. We get bitter. We get angry. We, we say, I'm never going to trust anyone again, and especially people like them. Another natural response is revenge. I mean, we are going to get back at them. We are going to make them pay. <clears throat> Another natural response is we just go into denial. We try to deny that we're hurt. <clears throat> and we try to callous over our heart. We we are devastated. We are hurt beyond measure. And then we just act like, we try to act like nothing's happened. We live in denial. Some seek to, to cover the pain and the hurt with drugs and alcohol. Some just totally retreat from life. They just, they just draw back from life. And as C.S. Lewis said, they, they make up their mind they're not going to love anyone or anything. <clears throat> the difference between a godly person and an ungodly person is verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God. That's the godly person's response in his anguish, in his despair, in his distress. He immediately goes before God. Another natural response in our self-pity, we go and we, we share the news with others. You want to know what so-and-so did to me? That dirty scoundrel, you, I'm just, I'm just warning you because I care about you. Don't you have anything to do with them? Whether we care about them or not, we're really wanting to slander their name and we're really wanting to get revenge. And we need to shut our mouth and go to God. And David said, as for me, I will call upon the Lord. There come times in our lives that our hearts are broken and tears flow, and they must always be accompanied with prayers to God. 
You may not feel like praying. You may not want to pray. But that is the only solution that we have. Those two things, the pain and the prayer must walk hand in hand, taking our anguish and the anguish of our soul to God first and foremost. As the songwriter says, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot (coughs) bear these burdens alone. People say, God will never give you more than you can bear. Well, let's qualify that. God will give you more than you can bear in and of yourself. God will never give you more than you can bear if, like David, you say, in my distress, I called unto the, to the Lord. He'll give you more than you can bear on your own. But if you run to God... And you know He is your Heavenly Father by faith in Jesus Christ. You know you are a child of His. And you take all of that sorrow to Him and you pour your heart out to God. He'll give you the grace. Notice if you'd look in verse 18. Well, verse 17 He says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray. I will cry aloud. What he's saying is my heart just continually cried out to God. And then notice the result. And he hath, verse 18, he hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Selah, think about it. He's saying, pause here and think about this. God will hear. He'll deal in the wicked's life. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Then David, as though speaking to us, says, Cast thy burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. The word for burden that he uses here is a very broad word. He's saying, Cast your lot in life on the Lord, cast your situation. Cast all your anguish, cast all your cares, cast all your grief upon him, and he will sustain you. It is um, that feeling of grief, cast your burden on the Lord when your heart is weighed down. It's a promise that he gives in his word that when your heart is in this anguish of soul, that the Lord alone will sustain you. Notice he gives three quick reasons for trusting God. Cast your burden on the Lord in verse 22, the first part, for he shall sustain you. He shall uphold you. He shall provide what you need to continue on. Cast your burden on the Lord. And the last part of that verse, 
He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. He will not allow you to be shaken. He will give you strength. And then verse 23, the third reason for trusting God. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. Notice what he's saying. He said, I'm trusting God. God will deal with the wicked. I don't need to worry about it. If they are wrong, if it is wickedness, God will deal with it, and I can trust him to judge the wicked. But why was David able to come to this point? Because as for me, he, he said, this is what they did, and this is what they did, and this is what they did. Then, but as for me, I will call upon the Lord. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall preserve me. The Lord will sustain me. And he ends with an exhortation. People, there are great burdens in life, and life is a list of loss, losses until we finally gain heaven. But there are great burdens in life. But he says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will not suffer the righteous to be moved. He will deal with the wicked. So that he closes by saying, I will trust in the Lord. Because of human brokenness and sin, There is not one relationship in your life that will not be touched by some level of disappointment. There is an undercurrent of sorrow in every person's life. And we can run from it, as we said. We can hide it. We can manage it. We can ignore it. We can do all sorts of things that we've already mentioned. And the undercurrent of sorrow, sometimes it's a result of our actions. Sometimes it's not. It's just a part of life. It's a reality. But if we let it be the doorway for us to find a deeper walk with God, we can say like the psalmist said, it is good for me that I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. In our songbook, there's a song that says, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet Near to the heart of God. A place where we, our Savior, meet. Near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release. Near to the heart of God. A place where all is joy and peace. Near to the heart of God. That is is the only place that we can find relief from the burdens of this life. 
And we live in a world today that is desperate to find relief from the burdens of this life. And it is only in Jesus Christ. And we live in a world today that that suicide has become an epidemic. And it's, it's their way of saying, I wish I could fly away as a dove. But as for me, I will call upon the Lord. And He will sustain me. I will trust in the Lord. The point of Christianity is not to bring you to a life that erases all pain and sorrow and makes just life wonderful. The point is that you have the strength, first of all. You have the power of God that forgives your sin. Then you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you that guides you as you call out to God, to have the strength to go through whatever this life may send toward us. That we can be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And that the only way is to go to the heart of God. Honestly, it's not enough just to hear preaching if it doesn't take us to the heart of God. It's not enough to read Christian books if it doesn't take us to the heart of God. David didn't say, read Christian. I'm all for reading good books. I, I think every, don't get me started on that, everybody ought to be readers. But the reality is, if that reading doesn't help lead us to the heart of God, it's not going to provide the comfort we need. It's not going to provide the strength we need. And as the songwriter said, there is a place of comfort, sweet. Those of you that have been there at the heart of God, and He's met you in those dark days, there is no explaining the comfort that He provides. And it is only in His presence. And David said, I can't even convey the pain that I felt. And, and some of you have borne pain in your life that you can't convey it to anyone. <coughs> and the only response is not to think about what's happened, but to take the 90% responsibility and say, I am going to the heart of God. That's our purpose in life, is to fellowship with God and to reflect His glory. There is a place of comfort, sweet. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. Heavenly Father, I have no idea the personal burdens that have been borne represented in the lives here today. But I know that the truth of Psalm 55 is as real for us today as it is and was in David's day. That as we cast our burden upon you, as we call out to you, 
that you will sustain us and you will not allow us to be moved or shaken and that you will deal with what is wrong. Lord, I pray that there would be many individuals today that would run to your heart and know the place of full release near to the heart of you. Lord, perhaps there's individuals that are bearing the weight of sin. They are not assured of forgiveness of their sin. Lord, may they run to your heart and call upon you to forgive their sins and become a child of you. Lord, I pray for individuals that maybe have borne bitterness and anger. Maybe they've been living in denial and and just want to put it behind them, but it keeps haunting them. It keeps being a burden in their life. Lord, I pray that they would know freedom today by saying, as for me, I will call upon the Lord, and he will sustain me. Lord, I pray individuals would take the time today to just go get alone with you and pour their heart out before you. And Lord, I rejoice that your ears are open to our cry. I rejoice that him that cometh to you, you will in no wise cast away. That you long for us and desire us to come before you. So Lord, I pray that you would be glorified as we draw near to the heart of God. The heart of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.